title of this episode right mostly maui wowie and a little cosmic peach on this episode we are joined by the one the only tommy chong and we are going up in smoke spiritual smoke that is my brother david from the cleveland schwill podcast joins me as co-host on our ride down Electric Avenue. Tommy brings us some spiritual enlightenment and wisdom bombs. He also tells us some very captivating stories on getting to meet John Lennon, Jack Nicholson, and even smoking with some very unexpected celebs. Included in the show notes, are links to where you can check out the Instagram for Tommy Chong and the cruise choose if you're looking for some fun. So light it up and take a little trip with us. Mostly Maui Wowie, man. Yeah? But it's got some Labrador in it. What's Labrador? It's dog shit. What? Yeah, my dog ate my stash, man. Take these. This will melt you up, man. What is that, man? Let's take him. Hey, hey, don't take those, man. What? I almost gave you the wrong shit, man. Hey, man, I already took them, man. Hey, what do you mean? Wow, man. Hey, what was that shit, man? You just ate the most acid I've ever seen anybody eat in my life. Hey, man, I never had no acid before, man. He's hoping you're not busy for about a month. Don't walk away from me when I'm talking to you. You get a goddamn job before sundown, 
or we're what, what shipping you off to okay. military school with the goddamn Finkelstein shit kid. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cosmic Peach Podcast. I'm your host, Julia, of course. And joining me as co-host for this episode is my brother, David, from the Cleveland Schwill Podcast. And we have a very special guest this evening. It's actor, comedian, musician, and activist, and of course, living legend. Mr. Tommy Chung, how are you? Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah, I just aged another year during that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't look like it. We've got to shorten it up, you know. And here he is, Cheech's partner, Tommy Chung. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, he wasn't joining us tonight, so we figured we'd talk about you. Oh, that's for sure. That's good. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And we have some really fun questions for you. Um, Obviously, you are an icon. And um, I wanted to kind of keep it lighthearted and ask you some things maybe you haven't been asked before. Keep it interesting. Well, you know, I've been asked a lot of things. The trick is, is remembering them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because my memory, my memory is getting shorter by the by the moment. You know, like, <laughs> like I can't remember things I did like two seconds ago. You know, it, it, it's 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 a, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, yeah. Just re- remembering why you walked into a room is one of the hardest things once you get past forty. Yeah, and what you do, you sort of you, you gotta like I I I I've been watching waitresses because you know waitresses they they get everybody's order. And then someone says, oh, by the way, I want this instead of that and everything else. And when it comes out perfect, it's like, how the hell did she remember all that? <laughs> and then we're just one table and there's a ton of tables that they're waiting on, you know. So I, I really, I really got a lot of respect for wait staff, you know, people that wait on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's instinct. Or at this point, maybe they're just afraid that if they get something wrong, people will eviscerate them. <laughs> I don't think that's the uh, the the occupation where their fears involved <laughs> you, you have to be fearless just to get the job you know right yeah. it's true yeah so i know i really admire people that deal with uh memory trips you know where they got to remember stuff you know because yeah you, like you said you walk into the room i used to say in my act i used to say that pot was a more of a doorway drug than a gateway drug because the minute you walk through the doorway you can't remember what the hell you were walking <laughs> And then I tell them, that's why I kept a bong in every room in my house. Because once I got through there, I go, oh, there's my bong. Okay, I know what to do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's probably why you went in in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Speaking of bongs, I think my brother has one that is like your go-to, right? Isn't it? I do. And actually, it's funny because I've had this thing forever. And it was blown by John Kilman. Is, oh, yeah. is he it, so so and for for you it's, it's a it's a chong bong i think and i had gotten it and that someone had told me about it. i had known nothing about it and then after he had told me like the story behind it then i just went looking for him so now it's all i smoke from is anything like that uh, <laughs> well, that's so cool yeah yeah well I, yeah, I also, they're, they're, I they're collector items you know and uh and they're worth you know a few bucks they used to go for like 
as much as two, three thousand, you know, uh, per. Really? Yep. And uh, yeah, one time. And uh, and now, you know, if you if you get a good one, it's tough. The thing is about the bong business, the glass and stoners, it's, it's a perfect match because so I can't, can't tell you how many times I've seen guys buy a bong and then not even get out the door before they drop and break it. <laughs> I, I, I've been through three of them, three of them. Yes. That's so, I, so you're right on the point. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like you never learn. You know, I, I got to get another glass bong. <laughs> well, and, and so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this because what's it like when you when you become the person that people trust to get high? You know what I mean? Like if I see something with the Chong name on it, I, I trust it. Now, I was there for a while. I was I was only smoking cartridges that had the Chong name on them. I believe they yep. were they were MK. Did you partner with like MKX? Was that? For a while. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I had gotten a hold of some of those and they were just fantastic. And of course, like oh, you said, yes. if I see your name, I just trust it. So how does that yep. feel to be the, the trustworthy name in marijuana? It's it's OK. You know, uh, yeah, you, you, you got to look at everything benevolently. You know, you have to accept, accept the fact. Oh, the reason I got in the bong business was that my wife and I were on the road doing stand up and people were bringing me Chong Bongs to sign. And they, they made it and they put my name on it, you know, and then it's my face and everything. And my wife says, you know what? We got to get our own bomb company going here. And so, right. so she got my son. My son had just, uh, but he just finished school, high school, you know, trying to figure out what he was going to do next. And, and my, my uh, wife says, well, this would be a perfect job for Paris. And so Paris and he, Paris was, he ended up going to art school and he is quite an artist. And so he ended up, uh yeah creating the chong bong company and and he and he because he was an artist he he grabbed the best uh he found the best artist art what happens when you're an artist the reputation gets out and birds of a feather you know and, and, oh, sure. and so when they found out he had a bong company they all came i want to work with you i want to work with you and and that's why we ended up with the classic uh chong bongs that you know now now they they're as much as 10 thousand uh, dollars you know uh, if you get the right buyer you know amazing man yeah i love it i'd pay it <laughs> yeah. me too especially if i'm <laughs> right especially if i'm stoned. <laughs> talking to anything you mentioned um stand up so i have to now ask you a question because i i know you have said like comedy is all about the truth and going to like a comedy special is kind of like a therapy session. Yeah, yeah. And I just loved that because it's true. You were like, you can't be sad if you're laughing. No, no, no. Impossible. You can't do two things at once like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and, and that, that's why, like, if you've ever been in these solemn situations and then all of a sudden you get an uncontrollable urge to laugh. And so at funerals, you fake like you're crying. But the truth is, you're really laughing because there's something like it's almost like a bowel movement. <laughs> you know, you, you can hold it in so long. That then all of a sudden you just got to let it out because it's trying to get out. And, and next thing you know, uh, so you have to fake, you know, uh, I, I've been in a few situations like that, you know, where it's been a funeral. And but something struck me funny, you know, and uh, in fact, the last a very, very dear friend of mine died of uh, uh, 
cancer. And he was like my first landlord uh, when I, when we got the record deal. And, and he really, his wife taught my wife how to be a, uh, a wife, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. how to cook. Right. Like my, 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 uh, my young girlfriend who we eventually married, but she would never marry me because I was too old. <laughs> and, and, but uh, when she found out that uh, if anything happened to me and if she wasn't married, uh, she wouldn't get anything. So, so next thing you know, we're married. But, but, uh, but Frank, uh, our landlord, uh, he, um, he was a sweet guy, you know, and he was the best ever. And, and when he died, they wanted me to speak at the funeral. And I, I sure, I would gladly do it. But when I start speaking, the only thing I could think of is all the funny things that Frank did, you know. Yeah. So, so then I, I just listed him, you know, talked about him, and I had that whole. You, you wouldn't think it was a funeral, you know. You think it was a comedy club because I had that place rocking. It was. <laughs> yes. rocking. Yeah, they were laughing so hard, and and I think that's laughter is the like I said the truth, but. It, it's a it's a release it's it's celebration because death can be a reminder that uh everybody's going to die mm-hmm. and and that there's nothing to fear because it's inevitable and uh and if you if you're the least bit if you're ready you know a lot of a lot of us we've been gifted with, with a, a, a glimpse of the future, you know, and, and there's a lot of us on the planet that because of their karma, they can't, they can't be in that space. You know, they have to be in the space they're in because of uh, past, because we're all here to learn, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, and, and, and we only learn from our mistakes. You see, you think sure. about that. And so the more mistakes you make, the more you have to learn mm-hmm. and sometimes yes. you do learn, and other times you don't but it doesn't matter because we are eternal beings see this this is a, a, a it's a it's a mind trip when you think about it especially when you have to deal with people you know in, in the say the so-called religious community you know where they, they like to be in charge of people's uh, uh, vision of the of heaven and earth and uh, mm-hmm. life, period. And yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, they're misguided uh, because, again, like I said, you only we're, we're only here, we're, we only learn from our mistakes. And so there's a lot of mistaken uh, spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs. I won't say spiritual. <clears throat> I'll say religious because there's a difference between religion and spirituality. You yes. know, everybody can have spirituality, but only certain people can join certain religions. Yes. Yeah. Can I, can I touch on that for just a sure. second? Because like I, I actually, now Julie and I were raised very religious and our grandfather what, what, was a pastor. And yeah, so what, 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 uh, a Pentecostal mean? pastor. Wow. Uh, Pentecostal. Yeah. So we were, we were the the running through the church of shouting, jumping, you know, all that. Yeah, the and, holy rollers. So, yeah, so <laughs> so I didn't know anything for my whole childhood, and I the reason I bring this up to you is that I mentioned this to Julie before when we were talking about it is when I saw the movie Up in Smoke, it was a spiritual awakening for me, and and I the believe- reason it the reason it was is because I didn't know another world existed. 
I only knew what I had been taught and told by everyone around me my whole life. And that movie was a window into a different world of real people for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the spiritual awakening. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Now, the thing is, biblically speaking, and this is what I've been writing to, and my, my, my spiritual guru was a guy, his name is Joel Goldsmith. I'll, I'll show you his book here. Oh, nice. It's, it's uh, The Master Speaks by Joel S. Goldsmith. Now, Goldsmith was a Jew, not a practicing Jew. He lived in New York. He was in the Shmata, the Shmata business, which is the, the, the uh, clothing business. But he was uh, on a spiritual quest all his life. And, and he was, um, and so, he, so even though he was Jewish, he was, uh, he went to a Christian scientist. He became a reader in the Christian scientist church. And, and then he became a healer when he found out that he had the healing powers. And, and, uh, and then he had ladies follow him around with a tape recorder and they taped all his speeches because he would be contacted with, by the spiritual world and they would tell him what to say. And so they recorded all this in, in his books. And so you want to get a book, anything by Joel S. Goldsmith, and uh, check him out. Now, I will. I, I'll tell you how I found him. I was I was in New York. Uh, you know, I guess we had had a few hit records. Uh, anyway, we we were Cheech and Chong at the time, and I was walking to the gym. That was my. It's always been my go-to thing. Go to a, the local gym. As you can see, I'm wearing a world's gym t-shirt, you know, like old lady. <laughs> but we're, I'm walking to the gym and all of a sudden, I've, it felt like somebody stopped me. Like I'm walking, all of a sudden I felt this force literally stop me and then turn me and push me toward this uh, HarperCollins uh, uh, publishing house. It was a, a, a store. And it was the publishing house store. And then I, I literally got pushed into the store and then I felt the same force take my hand and put it on, on a book on a, on a, that was on a shelf. And so I picked up the book and it took it to the cash and, and, and bought it. And then I took it home. I did. I don't think I even went to the gym. I don't remember, but I don't think I went to the gym. I went home with the book and it changed wow. and it changed my, I can't say it changed my life what I was doing because I was doing fine, but what it did, it changed my view on, on religion, spirituality. It, the book tells you why we're here and, and then how to think for yourself and how to use the power. Cause, because we all have, uh, this is what I tell, tell people is we all have a, a God app like our phone, you know, and we all as any living creature or, plant anything living on this planet we're all connected to god now the idea of that connection is the way you connect is through our mind because all we are really we're not our body you know we're not our thoughts even we're our mind that thinks those thoughts you know and it's and and it's um it's who we are and who we've always been. 
you know, there's when you talk about eternity. Now, I had a little problem for a while there because everybody's talking about the Big Bang, you know, and I really believe in science and I love science and I love, uh, you know, the space travels and all that stuff. And But when they said that everything began with the Big Bang, it, it was contrary to what I was re- being taught by Goldsmith. And then I was watching television and they had the big space, the tele, the new telescope up there and everything. And they recorded a big bang. And, and then, then it dawned on me, of course, of course, our galaxy, the Milky Way started with the big bang, like all the other galaxies, the zillion trillion galaxies that are countless in, in this universe that has always been here. Yeah. See, that big bang, that was, yeah, that started us, this particular thing. But we, as a, a spiritual entity, has always been somewhere, somewhere, yes. you see. And because the, that's the tough thing, to, not tough, but it's almost overwhelming to try to understand what eternity really means. And, uh, and when you do, and, and then I, I've been working on a book, uh, and, and I, it, the book is called The Sweet Spot. Well, I've come to these conclusions. First of all, we are eternal beings, but we're living in a physical universe thanks to the Big Bang. And that physical universe, there's it's physical. So you feel things. You feel heat, cold, uh, uh, pain, uh joy you you feel all these uh, these feelings because of our nervous system and our skin and the way our skin responds and because we're in a physical environment with rules now that's yeah. very important that everything in order to have uh, order you need rules and so there's rules that we have to abide by and use in the physical world skiing comes to mind like when you're skiing, first of all, you're using gravity and you're playing with gravity because now you're on some, you know, a couple of slabs of wood and you're whipping down a mountain. And, and because 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 we're human and because we have the ability to be physical and do those things, we can do it now We because the rules say that if you break those rules, you will hurt yourself. And and that's what skiing will do that. Like Cheech, for instance, he never learned how to ski and then he went up to Canada and the first thing they did they bought some skis and they went up to the top of the, the, the worst mountain in BC <laughs> and he just took off someone I think they pushed him and he, he ended up with a compound fracture of, of his right leg and uh, it, it kept him out of the it kept him out of the surface <laughs> but but the rules you see he 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 broke the rules and so so what I'm saying Everything has an opposite. In order to exist, you have to have opposites. You know, uh, you, you can't have up without down. You can't yeah. have left without right. Mm-hmm. One creates the other, you see. And you can't have good without bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't, doesn't it feel like sometimes with humans, it's almost like in order to understand, you almost have to unlearn? Humans, humans think they know everything so much that it's almost like you have to unlearn all this crap you've been taught to really understand what's going on around you. Well, it's not unlearning. No, because you're not going to unlearn that. 
there's no such thing as unlearning. It's like going back in the past. You can't, you know, you can sure. go back, you can think about it, but you, you can't undo what's been done. And, and you've learned something, whether you wanted to or not, because it's a physical world. You know, you can taste something, you either like it or don't like it, but you learn something. You see? True. Now, the opposite of the physical world, check this out. What's the opposite of everything? Nothing. Nothing. That's right. That's how big the spiritual world is. It's so tiny because there's no need, want, desire, anything in the spiritual world. Therefore, there's no need for space. There's no need for room. See, because in a physical world, you need room because something might yeah. explode and you don't want to be hurt. <laughs> you know, you want to be involved in that, that, that deal. In the spiritual world, there is no need because it's only consists of love. Think of that. The spiritual world, Beautiful. the only feeling you have there is love. And because love is a feeling. And love is also... It, it's the also love is also the the answer see the answer yes. why are we here why are we doing this we're doing it for love the love of peace the love of money the love of of uh of being liked no one likes to be disliked no one likes that no. because when you're disliked you're discarded you're ignored you see but when everybody, when when you when you have love and love, see, love is like a magnet. Love attracts. Love is a very attractive thing, uh, and uh, and as a spiritual teacher, this is what this is what I've evolved to. Really, uh, as a teacher, uh, you can only give this information to someone that asks because again, rules. You look at the rules, and and there's spiritual rules, like you know, in the church. Uh, if you just the basics, you know, not not everything else that they piled on, but the basics, the Ten Commandments is a good. No, the Lord's Prayer is even even better, even better than the Ten Commandments. I, I consider the Lord's Prayer because look at the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, right right away, we acknowledge everybody acknowledges our Father who art in heaven in the spiritual world. He's not in the physical world. <laughs> no need for him to yeah. be there. He created it. He's perfect. Yeah. And so he's in the he is the spiritual world. Think about that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So important. And you know why it's important? Because of the power of just the thought of God. Just the thought. Just if you keep your mind on him, he will perfect that which concerns you. It didn't say if you bow down and worship him, if you bring him gifts, if you if you don't eat on Sunday or something, or or you don't right. dance or something. None of that shit. Yes. All you have to do is keep his name holy in your in your heart in your mind. Just hallowed be thy name, and realize the power that that name has, because that name has so much power, and you see it every day. Just like when Trump was running around with the Bible and, and, and pretending like he was some kind of a, a you know, he, he had the evangelist or whatever. Yeah. I'm looking at him. And first of all, he had the Bible upside down. And because it wasn't in his heart, that Bible really, it, it's the, it does the opposite. Instead of creating what he wants, it will do the opposite. And, and that's one of the reasons that we get in trouble. Because if you miss 
use God's name, that holy name, especially for, for profit, you will suffer. You will suffer. And you will suffer maybe not just this life, maybe more lives. But you That's will... the blasphemy. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's, that's right. the blasphemy. That's right. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Think about that. God's kingdom come. It's not ours. It's God's. We're part of it. The kingdom you know, of love. And, and you know what? We're the most important part. You know why? It's like a painter. If a painter or an artist doesn't have an audience, does that paint really mean anything? No. No. So true. There's someone there, someone there to go, wow, that's incredible. That's what we are. We are the we're, we're the audience for God's magnificence, for his, his 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 handiwork. And the more you know where everything comes from, the the more truth that now you now you've you've you got, you've you understood that. How be how be thy kingdom thy will be thy will be done. There again, thy will be done means if if you, you know that thing about marriage. You know, let no man put asunder what God has joined together. You know that thing. No yeah. man, no man. If God puts something together, no man's going to put anything. <laughs> no, no man's. It's like saying, okay, uh, the sun. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't really exist, you know. Yeah. But if you get any, too close to it, you'll find out. Yeah, <laughs> and that's God. Yeah, <laughs> that's very so, true. And yeah. I mean, if we're talking about like, because I know you brought up art, and you, in your own right, are definitely an artist. And yeah. I heard a story you told, and I think learning how to play an instrument is art. It's discipline. It takes totally. time. It's and like music now, you don't have to learn how to play an instrument because they'll just put the music on the track for you. You don't have to be able to sing because they'll just auto-tune your voice, right? Sure. But sure. And it works. It, yeah, it works. But there's something about works. like the discipline of like learning how to play an instrument, taking time. You have to have patience. You have to be dedicated to it. And first, I want to say thank you for your contributions. First. Okay. And then I was listening to a story you told about like, when you started writing the songs, yeah, it, it like just kind of came to you. Yes, you were, you were like standing in the kitchen or something. You were like, "I need to go pick up this guitar and play, start playing it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, well, you know, even to this day, and thank, and I thank God for for the talent of. I, I actually, I thank God for being creating. You know, me. Here's what happened with me and the guitar. I never owned my own guitar till I was, I think, 16 years old, something like that. Whenever I needed a guitar, because I was a backup guitar player. Backup means I was a, a company. I would accompany a singer. I would uh, a fiddle player. When I was eight years old, I, I, I learned enough guitar to play with a fiddle player. And so we right. played for house parties. And, and I, I, that's where I learned my discipline for everything. And I also learned that music is work. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a, lot of, a lot of people, they, they, they want to, you know, learn a, a couple of tunes or learn something, you know, and, and or play chopsticks or something, and that's it. Well, with me, I had to learn tunes. <laughs> I had to keep the, keep the beat. I had to do everything right. 
it became a job for me. I love the job. It's got me where I am today. But I got to tell you the truth. And I thank God because I never really became a, a dedicated guitar player to the point where I could uh, wow people with my expertise. I, I, you know, the, the guitar to me was like a shovel for a ditch digger. <laughs> you, know, you, needed a ditch, you needed a ditch dug, you need a shovel. But other go. than that, other than that, the guitar, well, like my guitars here, they, they're on the wall. I, I play them once in a while, but I play them to write tunes with, you know, to write a tune or, or that. And then I'll, I'll nerdle around with, with things that I hear. I, I'm, I, I play by ear. But but it's all about the it was all about the well with me playing for the fiddle players you know playing for the tunes that that that's what that's what it was so I I it's it's funny everything I've done you know and you, you, you in the introduction you got nailed a few it's like my guitar playing I can play guitar but I'm not a guitarist and I, I'll tell you a story just a short story the the last singer we played with because. A band is only as good as a singer. I got to tell you, <clears throat> no matter True. how brilliant you are with your guitar, the music or the drummer, everything else, it's a singer. If the singer doesn't catch on, you find another singer. So we found that singer after one, two, three, about three or four singers. We now, again, answering prayers. See, ask and you shall receive. Bobby Taylor, this incredible Motown singer, came into our life. And we hired him first as a drummer because we, we had a singer, but our drummer quit. And so we phoned Bobby and said, Bobby, we need a drummer. And Bobby said, well, I can play drums, motherfucker. You know, so, <laughs> no, so we had to buy him a set of drums, but he came up and played. But then he became our singer because he was so good. But when he was singing, and then we, be, we became a trio because they're just bass, guitar, and drums. And Bobby singing lead, <laughs> playing drums too. Well, Every once in a while, we'd start off a tune, and I'm supposed to do the uh, the guitar introduction and that. Well, some it takes me a while to get warmed up. <laughs> like I said, I'm not, I'm not a guitar player. So a couple of times, Bobby would go, <laughs> he had the greatest look. He'd, he'd look at my play and go, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Okay, and then he'd walk over and he'd put on the reverb or something on my, my amp, trying to make it <laughs> come out a little better. But... <laughs> You know, I always, I I always get my mind, my eye, mind on God for sure, but on the project at hand. You know, it, I was I never wanted to be the best guitarist in the world. Uh, I, I seen I saw no future with it. You know, in fact, some of the best guitar, in fact, two of the best guitarists I, I've known, uh, Gail Orm and uh, Lenny Bro. They both died penniless. They died on, on someone else's couch. And 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 after all the 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 incredible music that they could play, they 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 had nothing to show for it. I mean, they could do it. I mean, that's that's your gift, you know, being able to do it. But but I wanted more. I wanted to be the Hollywood star. I wanted to to go for for the broke. And so that's why again, you know, by keeping my mind on on God like I did, uh, and I still do, and that's where I am right right today. I love mm -hmm. it. I wanted to ask you because you were talking about uh, music there for a second. I'm curious because 
Uh, I am a musician, actually. I'm a singer for a living most of the time. Uh, and I'm curious as to what, if you had one album that you could take with you to an island, you were going to an island forever. You can only take one album with you. What would be the one rock album or any album you would take with you? Well, the only album, uh, it's uh, Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. All wow. right. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I knew Marvin. You know, we were in the same company in the business. But when he put out that album, what's going on? Because it, it, it meant something, you know, yes. about the war and everything. It had meaning and it had everything. It had musicality. It had the rhythm. It had everything. And you can never get tired of playing that. No. I, I never do. I never do. Uh, yeah, yeah. That That's the album. That's so cool. Wow. Well, well, let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this because this is I was curious about this as well. So Up in Smoke comes out. You start getting some notoriety. You start getting some fame. People, you know, it, it occurs to me that uh, strange people would come out of the woodwork and want to smoke weed with you. Who is like the, the most unexpected person that ever popped up wanting to smoke weed with Chong? Probably Tony Dow. You know who Tony Dow is? I know the name. So, so, so. Okay. You know the show Leave It to Beaver? Yes. And Tony oh was my brother. Oh, oh my gosh. God. That is so Wally. funny. Wally. Wally you, please tell me you smoked weed with Wally. Please tell me you did. I did. Yes. <laughs> and, and what happened? Let me tell you. Let me tell you the whole story. George Harrison of the Beatles and I, you know, we became pretty good friends because we both played guitar. We both smoked dope. And so we're at this mutual friend's house, and uh, and we're smoking away. And all of a sudden, Tony Dow joined us. <laughs> and I looked at him, gee, Tony, <laughs> Dad's really going to be pissed at you, <laughs> Tony. I had some leave it to beaver joke. And he just gave me the most bored look, like, yeah, I'm, like, well, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> but how could you resist? There's no, no way. That great. is so funny. I, I'll tell you, I, who I never smoked with, but came close to it was John Lennon. Oh. Uh, I was at a I was at a party, uh, and and the both uh, John Lennon and uh, and Mick Jagger and the Stones and all sorts of people were at this party in Hollywood. It was almost like a, a welcome a welcoming party for Cheech and Chong, and yeah. uh, and so I, I you know was at our our manager or producer's house, Lou Adler, <clears throat> and. Uh, and so I, I told Lou, I, look, where can I go smoke this big stinky joint that I had, um, this cheap ass Mexican weed? <clears throat> and Lou said, "Oh, in my bedroom. Go ahead, use my bedroom." So I walked in there and I lit it up and I started smoking. And I looked, and there's someone sitting on the floor <clears throat> beside the bed, and I, oh, it's John Lennon. Oh, so I walked over and offered John a token. John says, "Oh, no, no, mate." I can't smoke because I got immigration problems, you know, so I, I can't smoke. And just then, Rod Stewart walks in, and he's in the mirror <laughs> looking with his hair, you know, <laughs> Rod Stewart hair. So I walked over to Rod. Hey, Rod, want to hit? He goes, no, no, my voice. I, I, I can't do my voice. <laughs> yeah. So I felt kind of weird, so I, I put it out, and then I walked out, and I'm stoned now, you know. And when you get stoned, uh, there's no filter, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walk, literally walked into Jack Nicholson. I think he was oh coming. My into, I think <laughs> he was coming into, He was coming in to either smoke or do something in the or do some coke probably in the bedroom. <laughs> but I, but I cornered him. I, I, I stopped him. I said, Jack, 
I felt like I knew him because I'd seen him all in the movies, you know. And he, and he was in this movie called The Last Detail, and he, he plays an army guy, and he and he's and this one scene it just fascinated me because it went on for like ten minutes at least, and all Jack did was comb his hair, and he had the little, it's tiny little military cut, but he kept combing <laughs> his hair all through that scene. And I'm, you know, I'm a filmmaker and a buff and everything, so I was fascinated. And so I asked Jack, that one scene where you're combing your hair like forever, man. I said, was that written in the script or did, was was that an improv? And he looked at me. He said, uh, "Excuse me, you're in my way." <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of was- brushed me aside and walked in. <laughs> well, you, like, you see. Oh. <laughs> you you see at that point there are levels of stars right yeah where it's like yeah you know they they consider themselves to be somewhere else even amongst the other stars in the room i gotta tell you something man and i learned this early <laughs> you you have to respect people's ways you know They're, whatever it is you have to respect it when when i went to prison uh, i was and I was still studying tango, Argentine tango. And the hard, hardest thing with Argentine tango is the walk, the tango walk. It looks really sexy when it's done, but it's hard as hell to learn because you have to walk like a cat almost, you know? And, and you have yeah. to have shoulders back, head tilted a certain way, and, and, and you make it look effortless. It's so hard to do. And so when I went to, I was taking lessons right up to the night I went to jail. And, and so when I, First chance I got, I would be on the basketball court practicing my tango walk. Well, <laughs> it, we're in prison, you know, and so all the all the everybody would gather around, especially the bikers, you know. And it was a camp, so there was no uh, no physical threats or anything. And, and so these bikers would gather around me, <laughs> and finally they watched me for a couple of days actually. And finally, one of the bikers he couldn't help it. He goes, "Hey, Chong, you don't have to dance alone. I'll dance with you." <laughs> and so I, so I walked. I didn't miss a beat. I walked right over to him, took him in my arms because in tango, men do dance with other men. And he got all homophobic. <laughs> you know, he got all... <laughs> well, he became my dog. He became that's who he hung with in prison. Your dog, and he became my dog. And so we would walk the walk the um, the yard uh, at night. That's all you did. Just walk around. A quarter quarter mile track, and you just did it until you got tired and went to bed, you know. But you just visited, and people smoked, and you know, yeah, yeah, that was your your thing. And so we we walked the yard, and while we were walking the yard, I, I told him, you know, uh, Steve, I said, Steve, teach me how to do time. And he says, Okay, no problem. It's the first thing you got to do is play games. You got to get into games. You know, it doesn't matter cards, checkers, whatever. He says, pool. He said, you play pool? I said, yeah, I, I know how to play pool. Well, he didn't know that I, I, I grew up in Canada, and, the, and, and the, the pool tables up there are bigger, but the pockets are smaller. And so you have to really be a good shot in order to, uh, to play Canadian pool. And I, and I really cut my teeth on it. You know? I, I wasn't a, you know, a shark by any means, but I knew how to play. And, and, and so we're playing nine holes with a little American thing. And so the first game, Actually, the only game, because <laughs> he backed him up. And he started off, and he's going to go easy on me, and, and I beat him. And, and I seen the look come over his face. He got his jaw got a little tight. He's okay, rack him up, let's go. 
I said, uh, no. He goes, what? I said, I'll never play pool with you again, man. I won. <laughs> <laughs> I got a perfect record. And he told me before, he says, you don't bet. You bet push-ups on demand. And so, so and it was 20 push-ups on demand. And so that night, he's telling, he's crying the blues to all the bikers, you know, that I would, I'm chicken shit. I wouldn't play play pool with them or, you know, I just played one <laughs> game and that was it. He beat me by luck. I wasn't, you know, he was having all the excuses. He was like my cheech, man. I love the guy. And so Bragging I, so, rights for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, the, so, so right in the middle of him talking, I said, Steve, give me two. <laughs> he goes, oh man, well, let me do them all. I said, no, just give me two. <laughs> he had to stop his rap, get down and do two push-ups. It was, Oh, it was so beautiful. And, <laughs> and, and and so that's how we did time. Then we played checkers. And, and again, I grew up in Calgary in the, on the, in the country. And one thing we would do since I was a baby, it was play checkers. <laughs> and so, you know, you can become a, a, an expert in checkers, especially if you've got an older brother like I had. And the only thing I could do was beat him at checkers because I, I, I studied how to do it. And so I beat Steve so badly in checkers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, what we did, you know, what I did do with Steve, though, because he said, you know, reading books and that. So I said, Steve, have you ever read uh, uh, read uh, Moby Dick? And he said, no. I says, read that. Okay, get that book. And he did. And I started reading it, too. Oh, my God. Have you read Moby Dick? Yes. I have. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Have you read it? Yeah. Read I have. it again. Read it again, and you'll see some incredible. There's a sentence. One sentence goes on for a paragraph. Oh, it's yeah. A couple of pages. The writing is. I mean, that they, they don't write like that. I want to ask you a question, actually. Sure. There's a scene that my brother pointed out to me in Up in Smoke where you get in the car. <laughs> And you do like a little circle and you come back to like the same spot. Okay. Can you explain that to our listeners? What is going on with the car turning around? It was, um, my dad was like that. If my dad had to go to, he was a a, a long distance driver and, and, uh, and Cheech beat because that was his car. See, so, so your, your car is more than just a car. It's part of your your life. It's your it's right. your. And so my dad, if he had to go to the store, he never he would take the take the car. If if the if the store was a block away, he would get in his car and drive his car. <laughs> <laughs> my dad did not believe in walking ever, and uh, and so when we shot that movie, we said that would be a funny thing, you know, that we just do the U turn and park, and here we are. Uh, oh yeah, we did a. If you look at a lot of movies, they had these little 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 things that's what made Cheech and Chong that's that's what yes see I never noticed that scene I watched that movie a hundred times and never noticed that until I watched it on acid yeah and then I watched it on acid and I I was like I where did they go they didn't even go anywhere wait what and it 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 wrecked my whole life in that moment (laughs) was just like trying to figure out why that happened (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah well you know a lot of those scenes we made up when we saw the set because Cheech and I, you know, we've been working live all our lives. And so 
when we did a movie, we would look at the set. Oh, we could do this and that, and that'd be funny. And, and that's the way we were. That's why, that's why Up and Smoke was such a hit, because no one really knew what we were going to do. So they couldn't prepare for it. Mm-hmm. So when we got there, there were so many scenes that, that uh, fuck me, Alex scene with, uh, with uh, JD's, yes. you know, that was, she, we were having lunch and she told us a story about her roommate would call out for Alex, you know? And, uh, and so uh, after lunch, we told uh, Lou, you know, we're going to shoot this scene outside the Roxy. And we told him what we needed and he put it all together. You know, he had the crew do it. And next thing you know, we got a, Another piece. Oh, there's so many up and smoke moments like that, you know, in all our movies, all our movies, because yeah. we never. She, she stole so many of the scenes she was in in that movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just every every line she had just felt perfect. Yeah. 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 She was a, a she. Well, she's a writer, comedy writer and a director. Yeah. Oh, wow. She, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's what she ended up doing. Yeah. There are a lot of good people. Makes sense. There is another story that I kind of wanted you to tell me about because you were talking about being in jail. <laughs> there was a story where I think you got busted in like Tampa. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I just saw the Jim Morris uh, Doors uh, documentary and mm-hmm. Jim Morris had gotten busted in Tampa, Florida earlier that year for showing his uh, peepee on uh, on stage. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, right. and so, and so the hall owner, you know, they're kind of they're kind of scummy down there, you know, the hall owners and that, especially with rock and roll, you know, they all the cops and everybody, they had no respect for <clears throat> for long haired kids and all that, and so they had a five thousand dollar performance bond put on the hall, and if any of the acts did anything that would get them arrested, they would lose five thousand uh, dollars. And so when Cheech and I were there, they thought for sure, here's an easy five grand. And so we never really, we just did our act. We never exposed yourself or anything, <clears throat> but they were determined to get that five grand, you know, and, and that's Florida, you know, the gangsters. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. so when the, when the show was over, you know, they arrested us for, I, I don't even know what they called it, you know, but all they had to do was arrest us and say that we created uh, some kind of, problems and and so they they got the five thousand dollars the whole club owner got yeah. it, you know. and i got, got their cash and i got a shitload of material <laughs> Comedy. <laughs> material. Yeah. it didn't sound it didn't sound like you had too bad of a time in prison anyway oh i love cheech and i cheech was so funny because cheech his dad was a cop and cheech is scared to death of, of jail or or bad thing. <laughs> for him to be a low rider was the biggest stretch of his life you know, if you look at him now, he, he's got his art and, uh, you know, he's he's the furthest. His wife bought him a lowrider and Cheech wouldn't even drive it. You know, he, he never he, he was not a lowrider. You know, he, he never was acted. That is so crazy. Yeah. And, and, and that. Yeah. That 55 Chevy convert. Beautiful. But he never drove it. And they finally sold it or gave it. No, he sold it. No, Cheech was not a, a thing. And so we, when we went to prison, I loved it, you know. <laughs> I've, I've been, you know, I've been flirting with, you know, I I got a tattoo from a, a guy that had done heavy time in the fifties in, in in jail, and he was a white supremacist. I had no idea, and he didn't even know, you know. So he, so he gave me a white supremacy tattoo. On, on I my, heard. <laughs> I I heard you talk about that during stand up, and I thought to myself, I said, is he just making that up to be funny, or is that real? No, and like really- that. 
I love that that's true. I absolutely love that. <laughs> and I was going to change it. My 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 son said, don't you dare. That's no, yes. Oh, you I would went have told there. you the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Uh, it's too good of a story. Well, well, I didn't know it was what it was. You know, I was 15 at the time, still going to school. And that's why I put it up on my arm so I could put, wear shirts, long sleeve shirts uh, to hide it. But uh, I, I wrote about it in my book, and then uh, and then the family of Irwin was his name, Irwin McCann. His family, his grandson, he 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 just freaked out because he was you know perfect Cheech and Chong age, you know. And then I talked to Irwin just before he died, and Irwin was a one of those. One, I, I met all these real authentic, like he was authentic prison you know guy. A white supremacy biker. He was a biker, and, and he was a one of those bikers that couldn't afford a bike. <laughs> you know, yeah, he walked a lot. Uh, uh, but when he just before he died, I talked to him on the phone, and uh, well, you know, when you have friends that long ago, you lose contact, you lose everything. But uh, yeah, Irwin was a cool guy, very cool guy. You got a good tattoo out of it. Yeah, well. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh well you have been you've been exactly what i hoped you would be tommy chong just a an awesome down-to-earth guy i i have you ever thought about running for president well i'm canadian so i thank god you I wouldn't never... be hey, well come on. if they let donald trump do it they have to let you do it no 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 what I, I i'm i've got a plan i got a plan for the for the for the world uh, I, I know from watching the, the insurrection, you know, with Trump and everything else. I see. I, I can see the good in everything. That's the the ability I have because that's that's yes. the way it is. It's almost like karate, you know, or, or you know, martial arts. What you do, you use the energy that the, that's thrown at you for, and you use that energy. You see, and and uh, and that's why martial arts only works if someone's attacking you. It's not a right. good attack. It's not a good attack thing. Now, what the what the what the martial arts guys do? They put their chin out and they, and they beg the guy to to come at them, you know. And uh, and when they do, then it's it's game over. Mm-hmm. Lights out. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I learned. There's a lot of things I learned, uh, but again, you know, it's my connection. It's my connection. Get that book, man. Get Joel Goldsmith. And because uh, what happened with me, now I look at in the bag, I, I look at it, uh, my life now, and uh, total without any remorse or any, because you don't look back. You don't have to look back. It's the beauty. That's the beauty of this, this planet that we live on, this life that we're living. You know, you can, you can make it as beautiful as you want it to be. Or you can break the rules and then learn why shit happened. <laughs> right. So if you could give someone like, if you had one bit of advice, you could give someone like maybe even my age or younger, like, Hey, do this. What would be like Tommy Chong's the one word forgiveness, Ooh. forgiveness. That includes yourself. Just think of what Jesus said when they're about to, when they were nailing him, when they're killing him. What did he say? He said, forgive, forgive them, them, for they know not what they do. 
Yes. See? You forgive people for their ignorance. And, and, and I'll give you another one. Judge not. That's so important. That's, well, it's the same as important as forgiveness. Because forgiveness is just say, don't matter what you've done, I love you. Okay? And judge not is, well, I'm not going to judge that. You know, let's, you know, judge righteous judgment. In other words, well, that's good. I'm going to talk about the other stuff, you know, because when you judge, that's what you can slander people, you know, but when you hurt people and you can hurt people with their words, you can hurt them with, with, you can hurt them with thoughts. Your thoughts are powerful. Mm -hmm. So if you forgive and love everybody, then you will have, the, the 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 gateways of heaven will open for you, like they did me. Like, mm. I, I'm living in a in a neighborhood. The house next to me is is going for fourteen million dollars. The one down the street went for forty four million dollars. We I know we, I bought it. <laughs> it was you, <laughs> the Bitcoin guy. Guilty <laughs> Bitcoin guy. <laughs> no, you he's losing his money. You if. I'm telling you, if you keep your mind on God, now, especially especially the ones that had bad, uh, you know, the Holy Rollers, uh, the Pentecostal thing, uh, it, it it again, it, it's only dangerous because they're they're making judgments, you know, they're they're uh, judging, they're judging. You're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to do that, you're not supposed to do that. How do you know what anybody's supposed to do? You're not supposed to be in anybody else's space except your own. And if you're in your own space, then it's fine. Now, if you're in someone else's space, you're trying to get a cult going so you can get money and everything else, you know, that's your problem. That is big problems. And, and for me, I'd forgive, I forgive everybody, everything. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I got to, you know how they say practice what you preach? Well, I'm married to this gorgeous creature that, that has the proper disdain for a husband. there's a right amount of disdain yes it's familiarity breeds contempt while marriage even goes a little further and uh and unless unless you know well you know we go to red carpet or something and then people will make a fuss and then she she finds a way to be, be gorgeous and be beside me and 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 you know getting some of that that stuff she loves me and i love her but there's a, a a big difference in between where I'm allowed to be me, and 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 she doesn't give a shit about what I'm doing as long as <laughs> she's got her life going, you know. Right. And and, and that's that's so great. That's so great, you know. Uh, oh, and and the last thing uh, I got to tell you, I I found this accidentally. I don't know if you have kids or or whatever, but I've got friends, you know, whose kids are in rehab because, you know, we, we, we hobnob with, with the upper class, you know, the, the rich people and that's the rich problems. The kids, substance abuse, you know, yeah. uh, sorts of uh, problems with substance abuse, be it alcohol, be it whatever, <clears throat> because, you know, I don't know. I don't know why different reasons for everybody, you know, but that that's a problem that I escaped with my kids because very early in my life, 
Well, I grew up in the country too. See, and when you grow up in the country, when you become big enough to carry shit, you know, you're carrying it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and if you're a farmer and, and you got to drive a tractor, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're driving that tractor because you know can't afford anything else. And so you, you there's all sorts of ways that you grow up, grow up, and 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 you develop these habits, you know. Uh, so you know, like like I. We walk to school, you know, there's no school bus, no parents dropping you off, none of that shit, you know, we walk through, we walk through fields and, and we learned, you know, don't go in that field, there's a bull there, he'll chase your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're just kids, but we learn, you see, and so a lot of the, the modern kids, they, they, there's, they weren't allowed to, to do that. And so then they have to find their other barriers you know and a lot of times it ends up being uh, substance abuse you know and uh, a lot of kids have that here's what i did with my daughters i had i had a cancer operation a while back and so i had come over and i said would you read my book to me and they said oh okay dad and so next thing i know i got both my older daughters reading my book well guess what the book talked to them yeah and not only talk to them, but it's a it's a uh, ritual now. They come over to read with me, and uh, and my other daughter joins us because we just sit there and and just it's like Sunday school, you know. What's nicer than having someone read you a book about God, about spirituality, about why we're here, where we're going? You know, what? what is the answer to happiness? All, all those questions. How do you gain wealth? That's that's where I got where I am because I started reading these other how to, how to get rich kind of books, but through the spirituality, you know, the successful, successful uh, self-help books, you know. But what it was, again, man, when I, you know, talk about God or, or think about God and and we we have a great uh, relationship god and i because he's got a sense of humor god is funny yes god <laughs> yeah. um, and i got a little dog Has to. as part of it and and he's he's part of the whole situation and my wife everybody else but there's so much humor and there's so much love like every time i lose my phone half the time i'm talking into it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you done that Oh shit! Yeah. I lose my phone. I got to plug it in. It, oh, there it is. Right, <laughs> right in front of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing. Oh man, uh, no, no. God loves a good laugh. I used to tell everybody there is a God, and and people say, "How do you know?" I said, "Have you seen my wife?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a good husband. <laughs> yes, can you yes, imagine? Yeah, I mean, she looked. She looked so good the other night. A stranger, well, it was stranger to me, but he stopped me. She was ahead of me. He stopped me. He goes, your wife is so beautiful, man. I just had to tell you that. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always take that as a compliment. I never get mad when people compliment my wife because I'm like, yeah, why why wouldn't you? I like her. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Of course. You know? And that's another thing, you know, about getting mad, about, about being angry. What's there to be angry about? If you if you fuck up, that's a laugh. <laughs> it's you know? a laugh for real. And yeah. Everybody driving, needs to decompress. I'm driving down to the restaurant and uh, 
and I shouldn't be driving because I got my, my eyes are kind of bad and I'm old. And <laughs> and I thought I had enough room to turn this corner, but not quite. And I scraped my it was my wife's car. I scraped the wheel. And she went at me like a like a, a drill sergeant. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Jesus Christ. I should have driven. <laughs> and and she, she's she's uh, she's she's a kind of driver. <laughs> I taught her how to drive because when she was growing up, you know, they're too poor, you know, that cars or anything. And she was uh, 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 one of the kids that were ignored, you know, they just let her, you know, they had older kids and younger, but she was ignored. And so she never had anybody teach her how to drive. And so when we got together, she had to learn how to drive. I had to teach her. Well, you know, guys aren't the best teachers for girlfriends <laughs> because no. we tend to scream and the girls tend to get their hurt feelings hurt too, too easy, you know, but you're screaming because it's life and death. You know, if they don't put on their brake. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and and I had a teacher. Uh, in fact, she bought the car. It was an MGB stick shift, and so so she learned how to drive the stick shift. And then we went to we we went to uh, to rent a car one time, and and so my wife, very proudly, she goes, uh, "Do you have any stick shifts?" And the guy goes, "No, nope, <laughs> nope, sorry, ma'am, only automatic." And she goes, "Oh, I don't think I can drive an automatic." <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> she was serious. She's serious. I don't know if you guys ever watch uh, Two and a Half Men. You ever watch that show? With, uh, I haven't. I've heard of it. I've never I've, seen I've it. Had, yes. I've watched you it. Never seen it? Too. Oh, you've got to see it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It is a. I've been watching all those sitcoms, you know, because back in the day when they were hot, we were working. We're always on the road. I never had a chance to sit home and watch television. So, so two and a half men, and and Alan, uh, Charlie Sheen's brother, and <laughs> Charlie can't get laid. He's had a dry part in his life. He's a bachelor in, in the mm-hmm. lives in Malibu. Alan ends up with this gorgeous little airhead. That's she's twenty two, but she she'll say, "I'm twenty two and a half." <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> And that you got to see that show. I laughed so hard. Oh my god! I just wanted to see that candy over and over again because because Shelby's got that. You know, a lot of beautiful women have that little that little innocent uh, thing because they're thinking of other things. <laughs> not... Right, that's like the least of their worries. Yeah. That, okay, so do you like scary movies? Not my favorite. Okay, my... okay. So let me ask you this: What is your favorite movie? Of all time, if like the deserted island question, you can only take one. What's the movie? It's called Badlands. Badlands. And you got to see it. It's by Martin. Uh, no, it's by Terrence Malick. Okay. It was one of his first. Martin Sheen. It was one of Martin Sheen's first movies. Sissy Spacek plays a teenager. Um, Warren Oates is uh, the sissy's dad. It is the most artistic thriller it's a thriller because the guy is like a serial killer but it's one of those oh you got to see it you, you just okay. got to see it. it it's it's not scary but the the oh yeah it's it's 
Oh, so I'm putting it on my list for sure. It's oh, going. I will on. definitely be watching it. Yes. Oh, you'll, you'll love yeah. It. I, and I also wanted to ask you, like, do you have anything that you're working on that you want to share with people? Because so I, I'm in Oklahoma right now. Oh, okay. And we're medicinal, but yeah. well, eventually check. we're going to be recreational. So check, check this out. Check this out. I think you go online and get them. They're called Cheech and Chong Cruise Chews. Cruise Chews. Cruise with three and a half percent THC. All and, right. And they're sold they can, over the internet. You can buy You can get on the internet, buy as many as you want. They are, they're selling so well. And, and the three and a half percent is just enough to give you a, a nice feeling, a buzz. It's a nice little buzz. Nice. And we've been, We've been getting letters from Texas and all sorts of dry states that are going nuts over the cruise, Cheech and Chong's cruise, cruise, choose. Well, Tommy, you, you keep pushing the message of marijuana and its medicinal uses because I'm here in Ohio and I can tell you we're not there yet. Uh, and, and, you know, Ohio, you can, you can do medical. There's nothing right, but I call Ohio Florida. (laughs) <laughs> we, we 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 sort of feel like a, a mix between indiana and florida here in ohio right now so it's a little weird but i think people are just afraid people are afraid of it they've they've been so indoctrinated with what you know they think it's heroin and they don't understand this is medicine for people and they need it well you know the church and and there's spiritual uh, cults that run those places you know, they, they got a pretty solid lock on, on a lot of the minds of those, those folks, you know. And uh, in time, they'll be okay. Listen, I told everybody when we had medical, I was happy with medical. I said, that, that I love it because doctors, you had to get a prescription in order to get it. And people had to go to the doctors and doctors would look at them. And if they're too messed up, they'd say, well, I'm sorry. But for the most part, they, they would give you the, the thing. And then at least you've seen a doctor. And, uh, and, you know, there might be something else that, that's wrong. But anyway, it, it's all going to work out fine. It, it's all going to work out. Because as we know, you know, pot, it's not only it should be legal, it should be mandatory. Agreed. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. I love it. <laughs> but I did want to say thank you so much because you've been so generous with your time. And yes. I never thought that I would ever get to meet you. <laughs> no problem. And listen, I'm, it's I'm, been available. An honor. I'm available. Anytime you need a little uh, Chong advice or a shot of Chong, give me a call. I'm, I'm here. I'll, I'll be here. We all need it. We all okay. need that. Yes, we do. Yeah. But I do Just want to again, and um, I'm going to, of course, put your Instagram and your website so people can go if they want to try the cruise shoes. Yeah, the Cheech and yes. Chong cruise shoes. Yes. Yeah, you can cruise with Cheech and Chong. Three and a half percent legal. It's called hemp, you know, because it. it's, a, it's a hemp product. And that's what hemp has in, in, its, uh, in the plant itself is about three and a half percent. But we added a little THC, and so a few of them might be a little stronger than two and a half percent. But it's not our fault. That's all right. Hey, That's no one okay. will complain. <laughs> yes. uh, it, it's been such an honor, Tommy. Thank you so much for taking Thank the time. You guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Are we saying bye bye now? Yeah, we're saying bye bye for now. Yeah. But I would love to have you on again sometime soon. 
Anytime. It's up to you. Later, Tommy Chong. So you can see